Jesus, as we remember that you gave your all on the cross, that you sacrificed it all for us, Lord. We surrender all to you. God, I, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. I praise you for the fact that he came and paid the price for us. And I pray in my life and in our life, we would learn to surrender ourselves to your will in the way that he did so that your name would be great and you would be glorified. And we pray this in your name. Amen. 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 I release the children through grade four as we turn in our copies of God's word to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, if you didn't happen to bring a Bible, there's one near you, or of course you can um, find it on your electronic device. I'm confident that whenever I look out and see anybody on an electronic device that they are looking at God's Word. (laughs) Or Facebook. Amen. (laughs) Well, we have some special verses for this year. They're found in Psalm chapter 96, and um, we've got cards. It's sing to the Lord, praise His name, Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Reminding and, 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 and continuing to keep in mind that we're here to declare his glory. Our prayer for the year that we've been praying together. Dear God, please move in our hearts this year and help us learn how each of our stories is woven together for your glory. Help us learn how to proclaim your salvation day after day and all that we do. And help us to declare your marvelous deeds and your glory in all the nations. And help us keep our eyes fixed on you. And please add to our number daily those who are being saved. Amen and amen. As we continue to pray that together, as God continues to shape us as, as a body and as a, as a movement. So letting our stories declare his glory on the front of your bulletin this week is a verse from Hebrews, and it says this, because he himself, Jesus, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. So because Jesus suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help us as we are being tempted. And so today we're thinking about this fact that Jesus shows us by example how to respond to suffering. And temptation, submission to God in earnest prayer is the way to stand in the midst of temptations. So our idea today, prayer in the trials and temptations. The truth is each one of us has either gone through a trial or a temptation and, or, or we are going through one now or we will go through one. Jesus made us in a wonderful promise in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said that in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So we understand that there's trials that come into our lives, and each one of us has an opportunity to respond to those. I believe as it's come to me, I, I realize that the trials that come in my life so many times, if not all the time, bring temptations as well. And not as a trial comes into my life, as I, I'm faced with whatever that may be, and it can be a trial that's very small or it can be a trial that's very big. 
But every time a trial comes in, I, I have an opportunity to either respond to God in the midst of that trial or to respond to Satan or myself. God does not tempt us. But we're told God brings trials into our lives because he longs for us to grow in our relationship with him. And trials helps that happen. So how do we handle the temptation that comes from those times of trials? We have a text for today. It's found in Luke chapter 22, verse 39. And this scene has been captured by our stained glass window that's in our, our, our overflow, our prayer room. That wonderful stained glass that, that shows Jesus in the garden with the disciples about a stone's throw away as he's kneeling before his father praying. This is the text. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples, and he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Oh God, as we look at your word today, I pray that you would speak into our lives. I pray that the example of Jesus in this passage would be an example that we could hold in the midst of our trials and temptations, that we could learn from you today and go away from here, change different because we've been in the presence of your spirit and the power of your word. Pray this in your name. Amen. This passage is powerful. And I think in all of Scripture, it may be the place where we see the cosmic battle between Satan's purposes and God's purposes most clearly portrayed. As Jesus comes to this place where he realizes that that, that which has been planned from all eternity was now to take place. You understand that the, the crucifixion was not a, a reactive decision by God. It wasn't that once we sinned, he tried to determine, well, how am I going to fix this? Rather, the cross was always planned. It was always understood that, that the Son, the eternal Son, God, who had always been with the eternal Father and the eternal Holy Spirit, that at a point in time, God would come and take on flesh. The eternal Son would become Jesus, fully God, fully man, and would go to the cross. And now we're at the point where that is, is coming to, a, to, to a, a, a point. And the conflict is happening. And now the confrontation in the garden. This is the, the, the diabolic offensive, if you will, where, where Satan is doing all that he can to bring the death of the Son of God. So many times we get this picture of good and evil battling each other. And in the movies, we get a hold of that. The whole Star Wars franchise is built on this. The, 
the force of good and the force of evil, doing battle. And at any given time, the force of evil could be stronger than the force of good. But if you do the right things, then all of a sudden the force of good can be stronger than the force of evil. And, and sometimes I think because we see that in different movies and books and stories, and then we try to rationalize out in our mind, we can believe that that's the case, that in some way, shape, or form in the, in the cosmic realm, there's this battle going on between good and evil that's in some way equal, but Scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture teaches that that Satan's like this, and God's like this. And so the power of evil and the power of good are not at all equal. It's not at all something that, that we have to hope and pray. No. Rather, this is a, a battle for us to remember that the voice of Satan, though while loud in our heads and in our hearts, is really very, very small. And the battle for our will is the battle that takes place. So Jesus, in this moment in time, I believe, gives us a wonderful example that we can follow. As he comes into this time of of temptation, because of the trial in his life, we understand and know that we have a high priest who's been tempted in every way as we were, So we can look to how he was handling the trial and temptation in his life and we can learn from that and how to apply those things into our lives in the trials and temptations that we're going through. So what we see, I believe, in our text today is that submissive, earnest prayer is where to find divine strength to stand in the midst of trials and temptations that we can find divine strength to stand against Satan and against temptation in the time of trial. In our passage today, we have two types of prayers. As, As Jesus goes and the disciples follow, he tells them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. So he's, he's, he's telling them that there's opportunities for them to pray not to fall into temptation. And then when he rises from prayer in verse 45, he goes back and he finds them sleeping, exhausted from sorrow. And he says, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So on either side of Jesus' example of prayer, we see the disciples' example of prayer. We won't be looking at that today. We'll be looking at Jesus' example because I found in my own life, I don't have a problem with praying the way the disciples did in this passage. All too often when these things come into my life and these trials come in, I can become so overwhelmed that I just, I just fall away. I just fall asleep. But Jesus shows us that, that there is a way to stand up under temptation And always the teacher, always the teacher, he teaches right till the end. So what are the ways that Jesus showed us that we can have the submissive, earnest prayer? First, I believe our text shows that we need to have a life of regular prayer. Verse 39, it says, Jesus went out as usual. As usual. It's important if we're going to have this type of prayer in our lives that allows us to stand, that it has to come from a place of regular prayer, usual prayer. 
In chapter 21, verse 37, it says that each day Jesus was teaching at the temple, and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. So we can see from that that every day Jesus would teach in the temple from morning to night while he was in Jerusalem. And after he had finished teaching, he would go out to the Mount of Olives. He may have slept there very well, but he was also spending time in prayer. So this was not an unusual thing for him to be doing. Many times for some of us, if we're not careful, then when trials and temptations come, we, we go to a place of prayer, but it's a place we haven't been before. It's a place we're not used to. It's something we're not familiar with because it's not something that we usually do. Jesus in chapter 11 of, of Luke, when, when the disciples came to him and asked them to teach them how to pray, they, they came to him while he was praying and asked them to show him. In chapter 5, verse 16 of Luke, it tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In chapter 6, verse 12, it tells us that he prayed all night before the, before the disciples were chosen. And in chapter 9, verse 28, it, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when the, when, when, when the coat of Jesus was opened and a bit of his glory shined out while he was on earth, we see that he went to the mountain to pray. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, when, when Jesus had finished a full day of healing people in Capernaum, and the next morning they were looking for him and they couldn't find him anywhere. He was off in a solitary place praying. Jesus went as usual. If we're going to have the type of prayer that brings us strength in the midst of our trial, it has to come from a place that's usually something we're doing. So, do I have a regular prayer life? When trials and temptations come, can I go as usual to speak to the Lord? Or am I, am I stepping into a place that I've never been before? You go, Lord, I don't, I don't know, help me. And it's not that he doesn't hear that prayer, but Jesus' model is to develop that in our lives. The second thing we see, if we're going to develop this type of a prayer life that will help us find the divine strength we need to stand up under temptation, not only do we need to have a regular prayer life, but the second thing, we need to take a posture of complete submission and helplessness. And I see that in, in, in verse 41, where it says he withdrew about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed. He took a posture of submission. This is such an important passage of scripture. This moment in time where, where the battle is taking place between Satan's purpose and God's purpose, it's so important that it's found for us in three of the gospels. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. In, in the Gospel of Mark, it tells us that he fell to the ground and prayed. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. There's this posture of submission that comes in this prayer of Jesus as he's, as he's facing this trial and the temptations that come from the trial. And, and he takes this posture of submission. Now, we have a hard time understanding that. Because he's God. 
And so what does that look like? And, and how is that happening? And we understand and know that when Jesus came to earth, he submitted himself to the Father. And in this particular case, he's showing us that when the trial comes, and it's a trial that is that intense and that urgent, that one of the best things to do is to take a posture of submission. So many times as I enter into things in my life where, where I'm struggling with a, with a decision or I'm struggling with, with this temptation in my life, I can, if I'm not careful, I can take this attitude, God, come on, I, right? And that can become our posture if we're not careful. But Jesus shows us that there's a posture that's needed and it's a posture of submission of kneeling. And it comes in that time of urgency and intensity when the battle is the strongest to submit in your posture. We see it in other places in Scripture. We see it with Stephen as, as the rocks are coming at him, as he's being stoned for, for speaking the truth about who Jesus is, that he kneels in his last prayer is, Father, forgive them. As he kneels, he's praying for forgiveness for the very people who are stoning him because he understands that it's about the kingdom. It's about salvation for everyone. Peter, as he kneels to ask for, for Tabitha's life to be restored. For Paul, as he prays with the Ephesian elders and he kneels with them. When he kneels for them as he prays with them. In Ephesians chapter 3. This posture of submission. Sometimes we need to, instead of standing in defiance, we need to kneel in submission as we come to the Lord in the midst of these trials. So when I'm in the midst of a trial and temptation, do I take a posture of submission and helplessness before the sovereignty of God? The next thing we see is that we need to pray from the depth of an intimate relationship with God. We need to pray from the depth of an intimate relationship with God. He prays and he says, Father, if you are willing. Matthew tells us that he says, Abba, Father, if you are willing. It's this level of intimacy that Jesus has with the Father. Abba. It's a term that's used, and the, and the Jewish people would resist using this because it was too intimate and disrespectful to be used in the presence of Almighty God. And yet Jesus shows us that as the eternal son, he reveals to us that there is that level of intimacy available with the Father, so much so that we can approach the throne room of grace and the majesty of God and all of his power and splendor, and we can approach that and say, Dad, Father, Dad, an intimate relationship with God. And we think about that. And I remember the times in my life as a kid, when I was experiencing the hardest things in my life, what I would do is I'd, I'd turn to my dad, say, Dad, help me. Dad, come, Dad. And Dad was there. But for some of us, we haven't had that in our lives. 
God understands that. And the example we see here, and one of the phrases that we had is, is he makes the, he, he takes the orphans who are, and he makes them sons and daughters. As many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, you are a child of God. How well do you know your father? How well do you know your dad? Oh, man, and even as I say that, because I spend so much time, and, and I pray that you do, because the way, to know, the way to know your father is to read what he's told you about him. It's to find the character and the nature of God, to, to discover in his word who he says he is, to know his promises, to see his faithfulness, to understand his heart toward you, to know that he delights in you, to know that he has come and he has sent his son to rescue you, to understand who he is. And as you know him and as you understand him, all of a sudden as you enter into his magnificence, you understand that you've been given the right to come to him as your father, as dad, intimate in your relationship with him. Jesus reveals to us at this time of incredible and severe testing that we need to be able to come to God in an intimate relationship with him, a relationship that's been developed outside of the testing and outside of the trials. The time to prepare yourself for a temptation is not when you're in it. It's before you get in it so that when you're in it, you know who it is who's right there with you, and it's God. And you are able to approach God as your Father. Father, if you are willing, in this, in this Jesus illustrates for us this sonship obedience as the eternal son submitted to and obedient to the father, intimate with him. So am I taking deliberate steps to cultivate a deep and wonderful relationship with my heavenly father? When the time of tempting comes and I'm going to hear the voice of Satan that's calling on me to turn away from the will of God, the will of my father, Do I know my father's voice well enough, having studied it and heard it, to know what his voice is? Or will Satan's voice drown that out? The next thing we see as we're learning how to develop the submissive, earnest prayer where we can find the divine strength we need. You remember, we need a regular time of prayer. We need posture of complete submission. We need an intimacy with our Father, and then the next thing is we need to surrender to God. Surrender. All to Jesus I surrender. We sang. We need to surrender all that we have to God. Now this gets hard because so many times the trials that are in our lives are the things that we've come to identify with and they've defined us. And those relationships we have that are strained, the, the unforgiveness that we hold on to, the, the addictions that we have, those, those things in our lives that we've hold on to and they've become precious to us. It's hard to surrender those to the Lord because they're, they're part of that which has made us who we are. As I say that, it sounds twisted, doesn't it? 
Because this prayer is, is, is an opportunity for us to see that what Jesus has told us is that we can surrender this. And the way to surrender it is to surrender our will. Our will. And the, the will is really the battlefield. Jesus says, yet, not my will, but yours be done. question is, do, am I more committed to being in the will of God than I am to my desires? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 says this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. We understand that Jesus is in the midst of a trial here that we'll never understand. He is, he is asking God, is there any way, God, are you willing that you could take this cup from me? And the cup that Jesus is referring to is the cup of the wrath of God. It is the wrath of God that's poured out on every single sin that has ever been committed and ever will be committed. That is the cup that Jesus is talking about. And he understands full well the price that's going to be paid. And so when he says, if you could take this cup, he's asking, is there any possible way, God, if you're willing that you could take it so that this doesn't have to happen? And understand that Jesus knew this from eternity past. He understood and knew that this cup would be his. And he's coming to the Father and he's saying, if you're willing, God, you could take this cup Yet, not my will, but yours. The cup represents the fact that he has been given the task of setting his people free, saving his people from their sins. The mission of God. To surrender means to come to a place where you say, God, if you're willing, it moves from God to God, not my will, but yours. I surrender. I surrender my will to your. I surrender my solution to yours. I, oh, God, take my will. Make it yours. Where are the places in your life that you're tempted to move away from God's will? What are the trials in your life? And, and how are those trials in your life, how is Satan using those to tempt you to move away from the will of God and to serve him? Because there's the voices calling out to you. You don't have to forgive that person. That person has to forgive you first. You don't have to move into that place. You don't have to surrender that. You don't have to release that in your life. You can hold on to that. That's what Satan's telling you. That's who you are. No, it's not who you are. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. And you can walk in his will. So I pray to God. Say, God, if you're willing, you can take my cancer. Yet not my will, but yours, God. 
Not what I will, but what you will. So that I can see that the trial that's come into my life has come into my life so that his love can be radiated. So that his truth can be radiated. So that salvation can be declared. When I fall into his will, something amazing happens. Am I ready to rest in God's will instead of my perceived solution? Do I see that surrendering to God is the way to avoid surrendering to temptation? The next thing we see is once we do that, we're able to embrace God's strengthening provision. God, it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Amazing that that God would do that, would send an angel to strengthen him. The minute that you come to the place that you say, God, not my will but yours, the strengthening of God comes in. And you're able to see that trial and you're able to see what it is and you're able to see how how God is working in your life and how if you put Satan aside and you put your will aside and you flow yourself into God's will, he will send his strengthening to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, not if, when, He will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And that way out is the strength of God in your life, the Holy Spirit inside of you, powering you, giving you the power, the resolve to live according to the will of God. He will strengthen you as you surrender to him. Do I see the willingness of heaven to to lend me support and strengthen me? Do I, do I realize that? Do I get that? Do I understand that? The next thing we see is, as soon as we do that, we're strengthened to labor even more in earnest prayer. It says, being in anguish, he prayed even more earnestly. And our sister text in Matthew gives us a glimpse of that. He said, he went away a second time and prayed, my father If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. So he came to the point where he said, God, Father, Dad, if you're willing, you can take this cup. Not my will, but yours. And he strengthened and he says, okay, if it's not possible. Now that gets harder because now you understand that the trial you will have to walk through. He makes it clear that that trial is not going to be removed. You will need to walk through that trial. So if it's not possible, Lord, if it's not that my house is not going to be saved, it is going to be taken from me. My my relationship is not going to be restored. I am going to lose my marriage. My, my, My addiction, whatever it is, that you come to a point, you say, okay, it's not possible. And you move into even more earnest and deep prayer to the point where he was sweating almost like drops of blood. He was praying so hard and so urgently. Listen, when you're in the midst of a trial that that is just overwhelming you and the temptations are so severe in your life, what is it that you work the hardest at? Do you work the hardest at at finding yourself sitting in the midst of that? Or do you work hard at prayer, asking God's will and his strength to come over you? 
Where do I spend the most effort when I'm in a time of trial and temptation? Because what we see is this submissive, earnest prayer is where we find the divine strength. The final thing we see is that when Jesus was finished praying, it says this, it says, he rose from his prayer. He rose from his prayer. At that moment in time, he found the triumph, the divine strength, the strength to remain obedient to the will of God. Coming to the place in your life where you say, God, not my will, but yours. I trust you with this. I've been strengthened by you. And then you stand with a resolve. I will forgive that person. I will move into this. I will, whatever the situation is in your life, the divine Strength gives you the resolve to live in the obedience that you know you need to have. Listen, in the midst of your trial, you will be tempted. You'll be tempted to listen to the voice of Satan or you'll be tempted to listen to the voice of God. You know what you do with things this size? Right? That's nothing. You get rid of that. And you say, I will listen to the voice of truth. And submissive, earnest prayer is where that happens. And the divine strength comes to us. God, thank you for that truth. For the truth that your divine strength is here for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his example of prayer in this, Lord God. Strengthen us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1959, Leonard Ravenhill wrote a book. And in the midst of that book, he has this quote, which is quite encouraging. May I share it with you? If we will do God's work in God's way, with God's power, we shall have God's blessing. Amen? Amen. And the devil's curses. Amen? When God opens the windows of heaven to bless us, the devil will open the door of hell to blast us. God's smile means the devil's frown. Understand that these trials that come in your life are trials trying to draw you away from God. But if you turn toward him, it will draw you into his presence. The price is high. God does not want partnership with us, but ownership of us. Amen. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us that which is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. I release you to a week of work witness and worship.